So as we talk about how we take today to use Christ for us, and what we want to do is we want to look at the message of Christianity in all that uh, it means for us. Because oftentimes when we think about the message of Christianity, if I allow to add a personal thing, we will turn around and say, Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life with him in heaven. And while that is true, there are some gaps in the story. And if we're not careful, if that's all we understand about the message of Christianity, just those few uh, points that are there, uh, which is about half the story, we'll miss the real meaning of what God has for us. We will miss the real meaning as to why Jesus died on the cross and what he really wants to offer us in a reading relationship with him. And, and we'll get caught in this crazy cycle of morals that will keep us you know, running this treadmill of feeling secure and insecure in our faith, depending on how well we're doing with our checkup. And so what I want to do is I want to remind you today that the gospel, the message of Christianity, the good news of Christianity, is broken down into four chapters. And the first chapter is what we're going to talk about today, and that's God's design. We're going to start with God and His design and what He has for humanity. And God's design is basically this, is for humanity to personally know God and to live in harmony with God, themselves, others, and creation. So when God created everything in His original design, what He intended for all humanity is that they would connect with Him without any tension or disconnect, that they would be centered within themselves, that there would be no inner turmoil, that we would be at harmony with other people around us in relationships, that we would be a truly a loving, supportive community, and that we would be at one with creation, you know, having meaning and purpose in the bigger context of life. And so what I want to do is I want to dig into this statement a little bit and look at each of these areas where God desires for us to have harmony and look at what God really wanted us to have in relationship with Him. So the first thing we want to talk about is that God wants us to live in harmony with Him. That means that we're personally connected with God at the deepest, most meaningful level. This is first and foremost what God desires for all of humanity. So if you look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, we see this idea. And then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that carry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And so what I want you to understand here, what I want you to focus in on is this. Let us make, so God is looking down at creation and he's saying, I'm going to make something in I'm going to continue this process of creation and what I'm going to make are human beings, and they're going to be in my image and in my likeness. And that's what we need to understand, is that, that God has created us in His image, that there's a part of us that reflects the person of God. Now, there are certain attributes of God, certain qualities of God that belong exclusively to God. Being all-knowing, that's God. None of us are all-knowing. Being ever-present, we like to be ever present, but we're not ever present. God is everywhere present all the time. That's something that belongs to God. All powerful. As gifted and as creative and as amazing as we are, we are not all powerful. We all wrestle with the fact that control is often an illusion for us. 
These are things that belong exclusively to God. But there are certain aspects of God's character that are wired into humanity, that he is image, his faithful, if you will. Like the idea of love. God is love, that's part of his character. You can see that in humanity. You can see justice, which is part of God's character, you can see it in humanity. You can see hope, as part of God's character, that's in humanity. You can see the goodness of God, even in humanity. You can see glimpses of God's character in every person that walks on the face of the earth, believer or unbeliever. Now, I for some of you that are Christians, this can be really helpful to understand. You can look around the world and you can see parts of God. They might be lesser reflections, which are all lesser reflections of God's perfect expression of love, justice, hope, and forgiveness. But you can see those, those glimpses of His image in all humanity. And God has wired. That means that when we crave love, we turn to God for that love. Or we can turn to other avenues to find love. When we see something wrong, we can act out of God's sense of justice or a lesser sense of justice. We can look at the world around us and try to offer hope. We can do that out of our own resources, or we can do that out of the depth of God's character and nature. Or we can define good by our own definition or by God's definition. So, what we're saying here is that every human being has the potential to reflect God's image and it's a distorted image. And as it's expressed, it was, we were supposed to express it to be like them so that when people saw us, we were an accurate reflection of God's character. But we're not that accurate reflection of it. And so, this is part of the. the the desire of God. What's really incredible here is that not only are we wired to connect with God at the deepest level of love and justice and hope and the motivations of our heart, but we are created by the hand of God, right? So Genesis chapter 2 is kind of the details behind what we're going to be looking at today. And here's what I want you to see. It says that on the sixth day when God created man, it says that the Lord God formed the man of death from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now think about this. All things that God created up to this point, he spoke into existence. Except for the man. What did he do? He reached down into the very creation that he breathed into existence, and he touched the ground. He got his hands dirty and personally fastened humanity in his image, and then personally breathed his very breath of life into them. He did that not just for the male, but also for the female. We see this in 21 22. So, Lord God called the beast to fall upon man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs. And closed up the place with flesh and the rib that he, the Lord God had taken from the man he made into woman and brought her to the man. So, male and female, God was very personally involved in fasting these beings. To reflect his character, to deeply relate to him, and to connect with him at the deepest, most personal levels. And this was God's design for humanity. In a statement, what is God offering us here? Work. Think about it. The worth of humanity is not found in what they bring to creation, what they do to creation, what they've done morally, what they've not done morally. The worth and value of all humanity is found in the fact that God personally is involved in creating every human being that walks the face of the earth. The fact that God fashioned them to reflect Him, to know 
Him, to be a part of Him. And so it's not based on anything that we have done, anything that has been done to us at this point, that humanity has this deep sense of worth that cannot be taken away, it can only be given away. We can choose to find worth in many different things, can't we? But God has allowed us the opportunity to realize that He's created us and find our worth in the fact that God breathes life into us in Christ. Next thing that God wanted us to have in His original design is to live in harmony with themselves, to have this deep sense of safety and security, to be deeply connected with inner strength, to not have inner conflict and turmoil and insecurity. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And then God blessed them. Right? This is where we get lost, right? So, like, sometimes in English language, we miss the part of what's going on here. Hebrew and Greek language is very picturesque, but sometimes we would use a word that would describe a standard in that language. The picture that's going on here is to kneel and a dance. Think about that for a second. And God knelt down and adored his spirit. That God would look at you and adore you? When he's talking about blessing you, that God would absolutely just, you know, be elated over you? That, that there's not any reason that God would not cherish or adore you? This is what God desires. Humanity's experience is very different than that, isn't it? We, we run, we flee, we hide, we, we try to live up to, we try to earn, we try to deserve, we try to impress. But God's like, at this point, you've done nothing. You're just alive. And I bless you. I adore you. I, I'm, I'm in love with you. It is an incredible thought that God would bless them. And then to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Take your rightful place in creation. Enjoy what I have given you. Rule over it well. Watch over it well. Have this sense of security within you. And then he goes on and he says, And behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that on the face of the earth and that every tree with a seed and its fruit. And you should have them for food. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And so God not only provides for our inner emotional security, but God is providing for our physical security as well. He created an ecosystem that we could thrive and live in and have our needs met and cared for, our physical needs met and cared for. So God left out no detail in his creation. And he turns around and he says, I've given all these things to you, and, and I want you to know that everything that I see is very good. That there's no sense of good that has not yet been experienced. That there's no sense of good that's been withheld from you. To be able to enjoy the fact that you have all of the goodness of God, all the compassion of God, all there is to the love and a care of God in your life in that moment. Not one ounce of insecurity, anxiety, self-loathing in humanity at this point. No disconnect on the inside. 
visible body to for community to have a sense of experience, to be free from the fear of loss and self-loathing and worry of fear. To know that you are loved and cared for and provided for and that you can be satisfied, that you are emotionally at the rest of yourself. No frantic staring or worries or stirring. This is what God intended for humanity to be a home with himself. He also intended for us to be a home with others and to interact without the need of validation. This is huge. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. And I will make him a helper fit for him. So God looks at us and says, Listen, he gets to dwell with me, he gets to interact with me, he gets to see me, he gets to hear my voice, I get to walk with him, he gets to walk with me, there's no standards, there's no guilt in my relationship. And I have to believe that he's a community, that it's a trinity, that it's a father, son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in big community, I believe in the idea of people being able to connect with people that are like them. And so God looks at us also and says, But everybody else has their own family, man doesn't exist for them. And so God fathoms the idea of creating something that was equal to man, to relate to man, so they could have dominion together over all of creation as equal. This word helper would be better translated to cool. It's a word that you don't use in the English language anymore. But it's a word picture of a city that is being besieged by the enemy, and that would be the picture of man, and the husband or the support would be the woman that comes to the aid and rescues. She is not a weak being, she's not an inferior being, she's not a lesser being, she is a powerful force of nature. And anybody that's been around a woman long enough to know that is exactly true. Right? Most of us have had a hard time with guys admitting that. But the truth is, God has created these two beings that perfectly reflect His glory in each equality to rule over creation, have dominion over creation, to name the animals together, to care and steward for all that God has entrusted them with. Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 25 continues this idea. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones. So he's admiring the woman that God has brought. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He's like, this is me. This is equal of me. To hate her is to hate myself. To cherish myself is to cherish her. To cherish her is to cherish myself. And he says, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. If I did bonded together, and the man and his wife are both naked, and they're not ashamed. Think about that. So this is the very foundation of equality and unity within humanity. There's no shame. They're able to walk around naked and not be ashamed. So we're not talking like the creepy news colony called okay? We're talking genuine, nobody's objectified, nobody's at risk. Uh, of, of being vulnerable, that they, they, they are equally cared and cared for and watched over and loved and admired by the other person. In a word, what is God offering us? Belonging. Free from the need of validation. See, so much of our lives is striving to try to get people to affirm and validate our position. And we all know that when we don't feel affirmed, we don't feel loved, we don't feel validated, there is a disconnect and there is this 
harmony between us and other people. That's what we're wasting for God's creating world. The fourth thing that God wanted us to have was harmony with creation, to look at the order of the world and to understand the meaning for our existence, a life full of meaning and significance is what God wanted us to have. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 talks about this, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That phrase there is really incredible, right? Because humanity is now bearing the image of God, the perfect reflection of God's character. And God says, I want you to experience the joy of seeing that creation, seeing that image fill the earth, and so now I'm going to allow you to be personally involved in that. And we will take a step in a different direction. As the psalmist teaches us that God forms us in the mother's womb, that God sets our boundaries in our days, that God has a timeline for all of humanity to exist and when they will live and where they will move and where they will have their being. And God gave us this incredible invitation. I'm going to show you the beauty of not just bearing my image, but being a part of seeing that image come to the light. I want you to fill the world with my perfect image. Significance. I join with all of creation and distance the universe, declaring the greatness and goodness of God. I get to be a part of filling the earth with that image by bringing life into the world. Just as the mountains declare the power and the majesty of God, I get to experience the powerful moment of new life entering the world. Just as I get to experience the calmness that a river can bring in a person's life, I can be able to have the calmness of holding a sleeping child for the first time and seeing the beautiful image of God in that person. A deep sense of meaning and significance. I'm not just a consumer on the planet. I'm not just a victim of what happens, but I am a contributor. I'm a part of a greater story that is much larger than myself. So much of our lives is looking for meaning and purpose, knowing that there will come a day that we will die and we will be transcendent. We want our life and legacy to live on. That is wired in us by the hand of God because He is transcendent. He is outside of all things. And God allows us to be a part of that. In the world, word, what is God offering us? Meaning. Life full of significance that is greater than ourselves. This is God's design for us. The Bible says, You live in a world that's full of brokenness, loss, rejection, and meaninglessness. We have conflict with God, we have conflict with ourselves, we have conflict with others, we have conflict with the created world around us. Why is that? Because you know in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, and this isn't going to resolve in a pretty picture for you today. This is going to leave you hanging. But this is part of this chapter of God's story. God intended something very beautiful, and man is experiencing something very different. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9 says this, that out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge and good and evil were the altar in the garden. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. What is God saying? He's like, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is symbolic of God's standard of character. What is right, what's wrong, what it means to live in a relationship with what Who holds the knowledge of good and evil? Who determines what's good? Who determines what has a sense of worth? Who determines what brings meaning? What determines a sense of belonging and a sense of security? God says, I hold all of these things. I graciously give you those things. And just like I have the choice to offer these things to you, I wire you, like me, to have the ability to choose to rest in that relationship or not. And so man has a choice. Man has a choice to live in God's standards and definitions of worth and meaning and security and significance and to exchange that for his own burden. Man chose his burden. It wasn't enough to enjoy being in the image of God. We wanted to control that image for ourselves. We wanted to define that image. We want to be the authors of our own lives and our own truths. And the problem is, our stories are always way too small. Hate is always leaving the way. Hate is leaving for another human being. The universe is far too vast for us to wrap our heads around and be all inclusive. There'll only be someone or something outside of ourselves that pushes us and lets us realize that there is a huge gap in how you are faced and what you exist. So we know humanity chooses to elevate their knowledge of good and evil over God's version of good and evil. And the Bible says, as a result, their eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. And so all of a sudden, the sense of security is gone. The sense of belonging is gone. The connection with each other is gone. They're up somewhere within themselves and with each other. And then so they kind of cover themselves and, 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 and create mechanisms to compensate for what they're feeling. And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from God. So now there's this distance from God. It doesn't come natural. It's strange. There's rebellion there. There's shame there. There's guilt there. There's rejection of God there. And so they hid from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And this is part of what's going on in all humanity. But the Lord God called out to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? What's left behind from all decisions to elevate our own versions of right and wrong? Are deeply fractured lives. These deep issues of identity. We base our identity on what we do, what we desire, what we pursue, our efforts, or maybe even the trauma that has happened to us. They all become identity statements. And if it feels a little distorted and we can't find information within the world, we seek to have that changed. 
and the claim of autonomy, that I should be able to be who, be who I want without any kind of uh, voice from the outside in, but yet we desperately claim for someone to validate, to approve, and to celebrate us. We are disconnected and manipulate our relationships, and they become very abusive. They become somebody else's responsibility to give us a sense of worth and significance. And the idea of finding meaning and purpose in life seems like a tireless, empty pursuit. And even if we achieve our dreams and goals, the work is never done, and we're left in the left of the past, empty and alone. This is what's left with man's version. We are often left with complex and often contradictory solutions that never seem to resolve the problems in real beings. Because we have decided to reflect our own image and not that image, to define right and wrong by our own eyes, anything that challenges our image, we seek to eliminate. We know that tolerance can be a positive value, but in order for tolerance to exist, we have to be intolerant people. We have to flip that on another view that is the enemy to our view of tolerance. Validation. In order to seek validation, we have to judge another person's opinion, which is the opposite of validation. We become the very thing that we don't want to experience. In a sense of justice, we use shame instead of hope to restore people. In truth, we create a version that's right for us, but we'll always leave someone else. Truth is, the system that we create to try to provide a meaningful, loving existence where people can belong to have a sense of security and worth never gets the world. It's striving and fighting coming up first. And in the middle of all of that, it is a faint reflection of the good that God intended for us. But it's through that that God redeems. Oh, yes, it's true. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Even in the midst of brokenness and conflict and disharmony, there's beauty. Why? Because He's created eternity in the human heart. He means for the people to not see the whole truth of God's work from beginning to end. All of God's image is this longing to solve all of these big questions. Real question is, do we come with love, definition, of worth, security, belonging, and meaning? Or will we create our own version of worth, security, belonging, and meaning? So that's the key to the 